Logical Progression, Year 3, Chapter 11, Lesson 2. Okay, Bismillah. Alright. So, second session, inshallah. So, um, yeah. So, the, the uh, first, uh, um, we can talk about the dogs now, uh, or, or, or pig filth. And specifically, we're talking about its saliva, and uh, the hadith is referring to dishes. So you just imagine you had a dog, okay, and it came in, and uh, I don't know, maybe you were feeding it, and you put it, you, you put it some meat or something in a plate, and it eats from the plate. It will lick that plate, obviously, and then let's say now you've got that plate, and you just stick it in the sink. You're not thinking anything else about it. You're thinking hot water, very liquid. Job done. So now that's what the, that's what the issue is. Here, the Prophet ﷺ is saying it needs to be washed seven times. One of those with dirt, okay, and one of those with dirt means the first time with dirt um, and um, Sheikh Uthameen he says that not only the saliva okay at the top of page 417 but this also includes its urine or its feces or its sweat or its um, spit I don't know how different that is really but yeah, any, any kind of secretion that comes from the dog all of that is included. And the evidence for that, he says, is the, the ismul jinsi, yani, it's al kalb, the, the dog. Okay? And this al, idha walagha al kalb, wal al huna li haqiqat al jins, aw li umum al jins, wa la kullin, hiya dalatun al al umum. Okay? He's basically saying that this is uh, referring, referring to everything about the dog. Alright? The word al. And if it was just like dog saliva in a kind of <coughs> indefinite sense, then it would be very specific. But it seems to suggest that it's everything to do with um, with the dog itself. And that's why, according to the Hanbali Madhab, okay, um, according, you know, just as a, 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 the, the majority of scholars consider the entire dog to be najis, okay? The entire dog to be nudged. That's the position of the majority of scholars. Um, only um, the Hanafi school and Ibn Taymiyyah restricted it to the spit. Okay? Only the Hanafi school and, the, and Ibn Taymiyyah restricted it to the spit only. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying this stepping back from the text. Actually, I see what's interesting. What's interesting, as we're going to see now, let me actually just a little bit, uh, let, let, me, let me just carry on a little bit. Uh, if someone says, hold on, if you're saying that everything to do with a dog is going to be uh, dirty, this is going to cause a great difficulty for people, because dogs are those kind of common animals which are everywhere and so on. Uh, it's not going to cause a great uh, mashakka. So, uh, Sheikh Uthameen says, yes, okay. Um, uh, he says that, uh, of course it will, and that's something you've got to be careful. He goes... Um, that, however, the Zahiri, the literalists, okay, uh, opinion, of course, the Zahiri school from the classical times, he said that this is only um, with respect to, this ruling is only with respect to the saliva. As for everything else, it's normal najasa. Okay, so listen carefully to what the Zahiri opinion is. They're basically saying that, and this was then championed by Ibn Hazm al-Andalusi as well, okay, the great Zahiri scholar. Um, only the actual saliva of the dog requires the seven washings, the first one with dirt, okay, then six further with water. As for its um, 
uh, feces or it's urine or it's sweat or it's fur or whatever, if that was to fall on your hands or, or your body, then the only thing that it should be treated like is like every other najasa. So it's just meant to be washed. However many times it needs to be washed, but let it just be taken away. It doesn't need to be seven times. Okay? And the reason for that is actually quite obvious. For those who study fiqh, you can see why. Anyone can answer that? Why would the Zahiri school take that position? Because the hadith literally says, if the dog lives, all Okay, what did the other scholars do to spread it to everything else? Okay, and carry on. They made qiyas on the saliva of the dog. Okay, so all the scholars, all the scholars, they made qiyas, which means they took the analogy of the uh, saliva and they applied it to the rest of the secretions. However, carry on, answer my question. Why is it that the Zahiri school said it's only the saliva? They don't believe in Qiyas. They don't believe in Qiyas. Well done. I was going to say as well, JVS? Yeah? Okay. The Zahiri school don't accept the concept of Qiyas. In their principles, when it comes to fiqh, in their usul, they don't have Qiyas. They don't believe the analogy is applicable. Only Kitab, Sunnah, and uh, and uh, the Ijma'ah. Not uh, uh, a fourth kind of principle of Qiyas. And so that's why they said um, no. No, that's uh, uh, only for the spit. But the majority of the scholars, they said no, the, 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 it's, it's, it's feces, it's, uh, it's urine, it's all, يعني, uh, uh, basically they said all of it is dirty, all of it is nudges, in fact even worse. And they said that, and the reason that the Prophet ﷺ didn't mention these is because dogs don't defecate in dishes or urinate in them, the, uh, the, the majority of the time, they just eat from them. And so the actual real-time kind of concern of the people is the saliva that comes from them, and that's why the Prophet ﷺ didn't mention it. So that's their, that's their response to the, to the, uh, 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 to the uh, thingy, to the uh, position of um, the majority, the, the position of Zahiriya, who said that it's only the saliva. But in modern day times, a number of scholars... Um, a number of scholars, they said that they started to favor this opinion of the Zahiriya. And Ibn Taymiyyah, okay, is one of them. Ibn Taymiyyah is one of them. And he said, and this is the position of the class as well, okay, that only the saliva of the dog is the seven times needed washing once with dirt. Every other Najasa is like every other Najasa. And that's not because we don't believe in Qiyas, but that's because here there is no direct evidence to apply it to those other things. And even worse than that, okay, I say worse, those who said that the entire body, okay, is dirty, such as patting a dog, they were even using muqiyas. So they said like, well, if the spit is dirty, then the feces must be dirty, and the sweat must be dirty, and therefore, you know what? The, 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 the fur is dirty, and the tail is dirty, and the, the, the whole dog is dirty, and, and that's it. And that's the position of the majority of the fuqaha. Whereas, and, but there's no, there's no direct evidence, just purely using qiyas. Whereas we will say that actually um, there's no evidence for that. And Abu Hanifa and Ibn Taymiyyah, they said that there's three types of, of dirt when it comes to the dog. Okay? There is its saliva, which is the most severe and the most serious. Then, and these seven times washing with dirt. And then there is its feces and its urine, 
which is dirty and najasa and just needs to be got rid of, however way. And then it's the body itself and that's pure. It's the body itself and then that's pure. And I don't want to bring this in too early because this chapter is all about animals and so on. But you know the Hanbali school? They are the most strictest when it comes to the purity of animals. Okay, they consider them, of all the madahib, they consider the most animals to be impure. Like they have the most, in their list of impure animals, they include the most. And it would be probably accurate to say that the Malikis are the most lenient. Okay? The Malikis are the most lenient, meaning that they only put very few animals in. They only really basically say the dog and the pig. Okay? And so I just want you to understand that from a, from a, uh, 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 from a back, from a, you know, the stepping back. The Hanbali school and the Shafi'i school, they consider the entire dog to be nudges. Touching it, you have to clean your hands and wash it, whatever. But the correct position um, is that a dog is clean. Okay, a dog in its in of itself is clean. You can hug a dog, okay, if you want to, all right? And you can certainly pat a dog. If you're a packy, obviously you're gonna be at least a mile away, so that's not gonna <laughs> it's not gonna really matter, okay? But just theoretically, you know, if you were you know, if you were to come across a dog, I I, I don't think it's an issue at all, and there's no problem and there is no um, there's no point uh, there. Uh, uh, an issue which comes up is sorry, yes, I always yeah. Um, what's the main thing position in regards to the dog and the saliva? Because they obviously use the of the dog being used to catch animals. Yeah, so, so we're going to come to this now. What about the issue of um, Sayyid? Sayyid means hunting dogs, okay? Hunting with these animals. How, how do we understand that? How do we actually understand um, uh, uh, the fact that the Prophet ﷺ would often use, and the companions would often use dogs to go and hunt, and yet we don't see any uh, evidence that the meat that they brought back was washed seven times and once with turab. Okay? We don't see that. And so, Sheikh Uthameen says the reason for that is because the Prophet ﷺ said, The saliva is intrinsically over the item itself. And he did not say when it bites. And when the... When the dog goes in for the kill, it's the, its teeth is the focus of the of the kill. It goes in, obviously breaks the vessels, the, the cracks everything, and strangles. I don't know whatever the process. It dies, and then it brings it back in this manner with its teeth. This would be the first indication that it is albay and bitten onto not licking it, even though there might be some obviously transfer of saliva even in the biting you'd uh, argue but then so this is where you start the argument from you build upon the argument by saying what were the companions doing they weren't going to tesco's to buy their meat right yeah they were making this process every single day they were hunting every single day so there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of occasions where this would happen and yet we don't have a single incident that narrates that when they brought the meat back or the animal back that they would go through this process in addition to that, then, or say, or maybe I should say, in conclusion, therefore, it can be said that this is one of the things which the Shari, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, has yu'fa'an, has overlooked, has pardoned. And we know that in the Sharia we have this concept, that the small yasir things, insignificant kind of things, or those things which would impact hugely upon daily life, which in normal circumstances, normative circumstances would be haram or impure or unacceptable, then they are overlooked in these kind of matters. And so therefore, this is another one of those uh, examples. So, so, as-Sahih, Sheikh Uthameen says, 
The correct position, therefore, is that it is not obligatory to wash the area of, of the place where a dog bites into an animal or brings the animal because of the evidences that have been suggested. Okay? It is not obligatory. And that's with the issue of the... Uh, hunting dogs, because obviously normal dogs are not expected to go and uh, bring back, uh, kill, things, kill meat. Yeah. So if you get bitten by a dog, uh huh. So let's the dog bite today, but you wouldn't. If you so if a so so good question. So let's say a person was to get bitten by a dog. Okay. If he was to get bitten by a dog and the saliva is there on the on you know on the body on the uh, uh, you know in the bite wound or whatever whatnot, then we should approach this. Like the seven washings, one of them with turab and seven and six with water, any kind of uh, dirt that can be used, and Allah knows best. Okay, Allah knows best. Which moves on to the next point. Uh, actually, no, uh, not, not this point. Did I mention? Oh, sorry, I forgot to mention. Um, I've jumped a, a page. No, I haven't. I haven't jumped a page. Okay. Um, One other thing that I want to say, the khinzir, okay? Khinzir, it says these we wash seven times once with turab, yes? What's the evidence for that? Qiyas. Qiyas. Go on. Because they're saying if the dog, I mean, if the dog is dirty, because the hand building might say, slide is dirty, and we believe then the dog, the rest of the dog is need to be dirty, if not more dirty. Okay. Good, okay. So the Hamri Madhab is basically saying that, listen, then yes, we admit there is no hadith which mentions seven and one with dirt with respect to the pig. We accept that. But the dog is, you know, you've seen the evidence for the dog and we've shown you that all of the dog is dirty and you know that the pig is, you know, billion times more dirty than the dog. You know that uh, pigs, they eat everything. Eat their own kids, all that kind of behavior, you know? Yeah, when I looked at the whole pig behavior, eating feces, whatever, whatnot, to be honest, to be honest, the, uh, the least of the problems was eating his kids, to be honest. Because I think that could be understandable sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's un- unforgivable to be eating any your own, your own feces and stuff. Um, so they use a qiyas. And what Sheikh Uthameen says, he says that actually this is incorrect. This is incorrect. And there is no need for qiyas. In fact, there's no place for qiyas here because khinzir has been made prohibited and made najas in the Quran. Clear. It has its own specific category. Why do we need anything else yani, to try and make it? Thingy? So the class position when it comes to the pig is that all of it is like any other najasa. Just once or twice or three times, whatever it needs to actually get rid of the najasa. You don't need to. This is very interesting. Because I guess someone needs to do now studying the saliva of pig, right? Okay, and find out that does that need the same amount of dirt? And it'd be very interesting if it doesn't, right? Okay, so again, let's say a pig licked you, okay? You went to the farm, all right? And I don't know what's happening in the farm, but yeah, you got licked by the pig, right? Uh, do you need to do the whole seven with one? Answer, no. It is like every other najasa. There's no evidence to give it the seven and the one kind of category. Uh, the next statement is... Um, it's permissible to use Ushnan and, and other similar things. Ushnan is 
is what's known as the hyssopus plant. Okay, the hyssopus plant. This is actually a very interesting um, uh, herb. And Sheikh Uthameen here, he says that what's happened is that its herb is, is uh, dried and it's grounded into small kind of globules. And it's used yani, in many different things. And he says, تُقْسَلُ بِهِ إِثْيَابْ سَابِقًا وَمُنَذِّفُ وَمُزِيلُ And so on. He goes, back in the day, it was used to clean thobes, clean cloth, clean uh, uh, whatever. And, um, and it has this kind of removal property. I looked into this and actually this hyssopus, subhanAllah, is fascinating. Actually, I, obviously, I know that none of you have heard of this because, you know, who has heard of hyssopus, right? And this herb is a kind of flower or plant which grows in uh, Asia and Middle Eastern kind of areas, whatever. It's all over the Bible. It's and all over the, uh, 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 Greek history and so on. And they would use it... Um, uh, as a cleansing agent and subhanAllah I read in I think I don't know which where it was whether it was I don't know which book it was which book of the of the Old Testament but in it they are quoting Dawood obviously it's Kalam complete Fadi but it's they're quoting Dawood speaking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Ya Allah purify me with hyssopus yani, as if like I've sinned and now I want to purify myself and move into the next kind of into like a new reborn stage kind of thing. And he said, I purify myself with this hyssopus. And apparently it's used and it has some medicinal properties, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so it is something which has, has some previous uh, thing. The point is though, is that is it correct, as the humbly say, that it could be used as well for, uh, for in the place of dirt. You can't find the dirt, so now we use hyssopus. Sheikh Huthaymin says, so what if it's a cleaner? We can't use anything else. And so he rejects this, and the class position is that no, it can only be Turab. Obviously, why? Because it's a Nas. And when there's a direct text, an authentic hadith, which mentions the Turab, then, Yani, you look at that Turab, does it look like a Turab is being used in a general sense, or is it being used in a very specific sense? And all the evidences indicate that there's no space for analogy. It does actually require Turab. Here, by the way, is where it's interesting to do a, a scientific study, and then realize that, oh, Turab is the actual thing which contains the antidotes to the Jerasim, which is in the saliva of the dog. This is like something which adds, you know, a bit more context. But here the issue is, to make it clear, that Shafi Thameen is saying that there's no space for that. Um, and uh, just if, for the students who are interested, he gives a number of reasons. The first one, he said because of the Nas, the Turab is there in a definite text. How can you suggest anything else? It's obligatory to follow the Nas. Number two, these things such as a Sidar wal Ushnan, meaning this hyssopus tree and lot leaves, you know, lot tree leaves, yeah, which was always used as a cleanser. You know, when the, the, they used to have a bath, they would they would grind down lot tree. That was their modern day sabun, yeah, okay, and they would use it to wash their bodies with. Both of these items were there at the time of the and Islam and never were they used or mentioned or anything like that. Another indicating evidence. <coughs> and number three, we said that maybe perhaps if we look at the science of it, you can see that the the, the germ are killed but the germs are killed by what's in the um uh, in the uh, uh the killer the, the germs in the saliva. Fourth, there is something we already know about Torah. What do we know about Torah? It is one of the two purifying substances. What are the two purifying substances? Water and dirt. So it already has a established, uh, 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 already has an established uh, position. Okay. What was number three? three number three was um, that if you look into the science of it, you'll find that it's only dirt which can combat the germs okay. in dogs' uh, uh, saliva. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're obviously saying that, you know what, um, anything which, because I'm, I'm guessing, I'm guessing here, because they didn't know of the medicinal properties of dirt, I said medicinal properties, but you know what I mean, yeah, um, they thought that it's more about its physical nature. Yeah? So if they're thinking that it's about takhfif, you know, like I said, sawdust, yeah? We don't, we don't, when we use sawdust, we can see sawdust is great for this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah? Sawdust, why is sawdust great? If you, if you compare, like I said, that's why I said, when, you know, when, you're, when you're in retail, when you've been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If someone has weed or vomited or done a number two, whatever, in any area, if you had a choice of putting dirt over it versus sawdust, you'd choose sawdust every single time. Now, the main reason is because sawdust is clean to use, but very effective in the way that it covers the area. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And so if you were to think of dirt to be an agent of covering and barriering, if you like, then it does make sense that any kind of flowery, rough kind of, kind of material would be included. And that's why they said, anything in this kind of nature will accept. But they're missing the point there that actually it's not for its dirt nature that is being used. Dirt is being used because of the four reasons that we just mentioned. Is that clear, everybody? Okay. Yes. Sheikh, with regards to al kalb, when you mentioned yep. acting belongs to. Yeah. So about malady, when they say like you know you can eat dog, for example. Eat dog. This is uh, a very d- debated uh, position, yeah. but carry on. Yeah. So I mean, how do they justify that? Which is. Oh, mission, mission. No, no, no. Mission, mission, mission. Let's leave that one. <laughs> we've got Chinese viewers, man. We can't upset everyone. <laughs> we have to at least upset a, a, a distinct group of people every single lesson. Otherwise, it's not a good lesson. You know what I'm saying? We don't keep up with our record, now. Who did we upset in the first one? Shazad? Shazad never upset. Don't worry. Shazad never gets upset. Okay. Um, okay, so then... Uh, then the text says, for impurities other than these two, then there are seven washings without any dirt. Okay? There are seven washings without any dirt. And why is that? Why is that? Why did the Hanbalis say that? They said, um, and so what does that mean? It means that if some, like I said, let's say, say, let's say a little girl urinates on your hand. Okay? Your little girl urinates on your hand, it needs to be washed seven times. Or on your clothes, it needs to be washed seven times. So if a little girl urinates on your clothes, it will be water, wash, and then rub and wring, and then like that, okay? That's what it means, all right? Seven individual, different, uh, separate washings. And why is that? Because of what is narrated from Abdullah ibn Umar that he said, this is his athar, his own narration, he said, Umirna, we were commanded, to wash impurities seven times, okay? And this has been narrated... Um, in Mughni, in the Mughni of Ibn Qudama, without any kind of reference. And that gives you a clue to what we're going to say. Obviously, without any kind of reference to the statement, we can't really use this as an evidence. All right, so we should automatically reject it. But, but a, a question, why can't we automatically reject this statement? Because he said it was obligated, so it, we can assume that it came from Prophet. Yeah, not, not assume, actually. Any time that they say we were obligated, we have to except that it came from the Prophet because no one has to obligate anything upon them. And so therefore, this narration, even though it is stated by Ibn Umar as his own statement, he never said the Prophet obligated us. When he says that we were commanded or we were told to or we were asked to or whatever, 
then it means that therefore this is like the statement of the Prophet. ﷺ. We say hukum It's ruling as if it as, as if it was raised to the Prophet, ﷺ, to the level of the Prophet. ﷺ. However, our response to that is that it doesn't matter if it's a statement of the Prophet. ﷺ. If it doesn't have a senate, if it doesn't have a chain, if it doesn't have a source, then it's like any other person saying the Prophet ﷺ said this, the Prophet ﷺ said that. We don't care what you think the Prophet ﷺ said. Show us where, what's the evidence, what's the hadith, what's the, the source, and, and so on and so forth. Okay? So that is the reason why they said watch it seven times. Other scholars said you need to watch it three times. Okay? And other scholars said watch it three times. Where did three come from? The three is a qiyas. They see that the three, number three is very well popular in the Sharia. Three, doing things three times show emphasis. And in washing, we know that the Prophet ﷺ mentions three when it comes to istinja, backside, uh, front side, uh, arms, face, you know, all of it. Three, 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 three. And that's where it comes from. And other scholars, they said that it is sufficient just wash it once as long as the... Uh, the, 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 the najas goes yani The najasa is taken As long as it's removed Then once is sufficient And if it doesn't happen with once Then second time, third time Even 50 times if it needs to be But the issue is to get rid of it We don't need to stop in between We don't need to wash We don't need to do the X and Y and Z The focus is to get rid of the actual najasa Yes? And what's the evidence is This is something we should spend a few minutes on okay? Because we're going to be using this We've already actually mentioned this before In year 2 that this is the position of uh, the class and the position of Shaykh Al-Zaymin. But look at the evidences uh, for it. Um, in the hadith of menstruating blood, okay, the Prophet ﷺ, when he was asked about, when he was asked, when one of the wives came and said that, I have, menstru- I have menstrual blood, what do I do with it? The Prophet ﷺ said, dried menstrual blood on the clothes, she, uh, he said to her, Yani, uh, pick it away, yani scratch it away, and then rub it off with water, and just make it wet, and then just pray. Okay, so he said to her basically, clean it. That's what he said. Three types of phrases, but he said, just clean it. He didn't mention adad, didn't mention a number of times. Madhakar adad, okay. Walmaqamu, maqamu bayan. This is really good, this statement, okay. He goes, Walmaqamu, maqamu bayan. That this situation, was the exact situation where we expect detail. I want you to think now like a scholar, okay? Like, you know, there are many times that the Prophet ﷺ would just give a random answer or a general answer because the, the maqam was maqamul am. Yani the situation was a situation of general answers. But when a person comes to you very specifically with a very specific problem and wants a very specific solution and you start by giving a very specific answer, get it, scratch it, take it off, wash it, Okay, then this is clearly detailed scenario giving detailed answer. So the Prophet ﷺ can't leave a detail out of a detailed answer because it's obligatory upon him to give the, 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 the obligatory knowledge, the, uh, obligatory upon him to give details. Does that make sense? Yes? It's a really good principle, really good point here that Shaykh Uthameen says. So his mentioning of Adad, because normally we could say, normally in a normal time, if someone said that the Prophet ﷺ never mentioned numbers, we'll say, but many times the Prophet doesn't mention numbers. Or many times the Prophet doesn't mention detail. And that would possibly be an argument. Okay, But if the Prophet is going into detail about explaining something and giving an order and saying don't do this and don't do that, then it's impossible that he wouldn't mention that detail except that there's a significance behind it. And so the significance of not mentioning the number is to prove to you that number is not important. It's about just getting rid of the dirt. Make sense everybody? Very good, powerful point. 
It is, Shaykh Taymiyyah says, لِأَنَّهُ جُوَابًا سُؤَالٍ It is a response to a specific question. Okay. Um, uh, and the second point is, أَنَّ النَّجَاسَ عَيْنْ خَبِيثَ مَتَ زَالَتْ زَالَ حُكْمُهَا وَهَذَا دَلِيلٌ عَقْلِيٌ وَادِحٌ جِدَّا يعني That najasa is a physical impurity. And once it's gone, it's gone. And what do you want to do to the area? It's not something spiritual. Yani it's there. And then it's not no, no longer there. What do you want to do to that area? You're going to kill that area and it's gone. And so once it's gone, then its ruling is gone. Its effects are gone. And that's something which the, it makes complete uh, sense. And he goes, and he goes okay, uh, as for the, our response to the narration, obviously the arguments so far have been akli arguments, yes? But we can't just use akli arguments. We have to re- respond to the hadith, isn't it? So how do we respond to the narration of Ibn Umar? Number one, it is... Weak. Weak. Okay, so that's straight uh, 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 dealt with. Um, and then, um, uh, Sheikh has another interesting point, okay, and he's, he's and this is why I like, you know, I always tell my students that it's very important to be academically honest and socially responsible, okay? Always argue from their side as well. Give them the, the you know, the argument and see it from their side. So he goes, it's clear that this narration is weak, but let's just assume it was authentic. Let's assume that it was authentic, that we are to wash the anjas, the najasa, seven times. It has been narrated in a weak hadith, he says, on the authority of Imam Ahmed, that the Prophet ﷺ was commanded to wash things seven times. Umar bi ghaslil anjas sab'an, thumma sa'alallah, thumma sa'alallah at-takhfif. Fa umira bi ghaslihi marratun wahida, fa yuhmilu hadith ibn Umar in sahha ala anna qabl al-nasq, he basically said, Sheikh Uthameen says, that narrated by Imam Ahmed, the Prophet was, was commanded to wash the uh, impurity seven times, and then he asked Allah for a concession, for takhfif, for this to be lightened, and so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed it to be one time. And Sheikh Uthameen is saying, if this narration is authentic, then that would mean what? It abrogates the the seven-time narration of Ibn Umar. Makes sense? So he says that even if we say the Ibn Umar narration is authentic, if it's authentic, we say it's authentic, we'll say, okay, but it's abrogated by this narration. Okay, we accept it's a weak hadith, but the bro, you know, your hadith is weaker. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? They're saying that if you really want to go down the line of weak hadith and whatever, then we'll use a weak hadith. It's stronger than yours, okay? But it's still weak. But that is what abrogated what, what you said of seven, okay? <coughs> this narration, by the way, is an interesting one. I'm just going to read it to you, all right? I'm going to read to you this full narration. I don't think it's authentic, okay? And it's at the bottom. It's narrated by Imam Ahmed and by Abu Dawood in the chapter of purification, okay? And the, uh, the book of purification, the chapter... Washing from Janaba, right at the bottom of page 422 of Shah Mumtir. And it's noted from Abdullah ibn Umar, he said, that the prayer used to be 50 prayers a day and to um, wash from sexual impurity seven times and to wash from urine that would fall onto clothes seven times. And the Prophet ﷺ continued and continued to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until the prayer was made five times and to wash from Janaba was made once and to wash from urine that would touch the clothes, this would be also once. Okay, that's the hadith. Ibn Qudama, he said, that after he mentioned his hadith, he said that in the narration, there is Ayyub ibn Jabir, uh, uh, the narrator Ayyub ibn Jabir, and he is da'if. 
Okay, he is daif. I am convinced that this hadith is weak, but I do intend to have a study of this in a couple of weeks for some other uh, reason. So I'd look into that, inshallah. But anyway, this hadith is weak. Anyway, al-muhim. Al-muhim. The, mom, the, 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 the main point thing is, is that it is sufficient to wash all of these najas just once. So it is permissible for you to throw it into the washing machine. Washing machine is amazing because it's not just washing it once, it's washing it like a thousand times. And it's stopping in between, and it's ringing, and it's rinsing, and then letting more soap in, and in, and out, and shake it all about, and do the hook cookie, and turn around. And that's what it's all about, okay? But, um, and again, as I said before, that if it doesn't get rid of, if it's not got rid of with the first washing, then you carry on until it's gone. Alright? That's a really nice, clear, simple uh, principle. By the way, if you want evidence for the increasing, you know, you might say, well, hold on, once is enough. Why are you increasing? Well, first it's ugly. If this thing is still there, then you should obviously continue. But we have a text as well. Anyone think of a text? A nos? A direct evidence? The direct evidence is the hadith of um, uh, Zainab. Uh, when she passed away and she told the women to... Do what? Anyone? Anyone remember? When Zainab passed away, who washed her body? It wasn't the Prophet ﷺ. He commanded some of the Ansar to wash some of the women from the Ansar to wash her body. And he said to them, wash her three times or five times or seven times or, or as many as necessary. Or akthar. Okay? In ra'aytunna dhalik. If you consider it to be necessary. If you see that's the case. If you consider it to be necessary, then increase. So clearly there's a nos there that there's a dead body here and there might be some reason to keep washing and keep increasing. Because the whole idea, you see, the difference with the difference with um, washing the dead body, right? And we're going to come to this a little bit later, okay? You know that the, the next, one of the statements later on is that the dead body doesn't become nejus, yes? Okay? So that's really important. The dead body doesn't become nejus, meaning, spir- meaning spiritually nejus. But when we do, and, when, and I told you when we wash from, uh, when we do ghusl of janaba, when we do ghusl of janaba, you're not actually, it's, it's not a physical clean, cleansing you're so concerned with. However, the, the ghusl for death is actually a, uh, a, a both, yani, a spiritual one and a physical one as well. You are making this body beautiful. And that's obviously made clear by the amount of water that's used and that the sidr has to be involved, so pure soap's got to be involved, and then perfuming at all the stages on the body, and then wrapping up the kafan, then perfuming on the kafan itself, and the kafan itself being white, and the kafan itself being new and clean. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So all of these things are indicating that there is a real physical emphasis on cleanliness as well. So that gives a clear idea that if there is something impure, then it should increase in terms of what's needed uh, to clear. Okay, next section. Uh, Let's speed up a little bit because... um, I wanted to do only three hours on this, and there's quite a few points left, okay? So uh, I'm going to have to go light on the hadith now, all right? Um, Neither the sun or the wind or rubbing can purify that which is impure, okay? And it's basically, what, what, what the humble is saying is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has only made water as the purifying substance and dirt in the case of the absence of water, Okay? Right, so it's only really water and dirt. So you can't be using other kind of substances. You can't be just including the list and say you can use jiff and you can use soap and you can use this, that, whatever. Where's the where's the evidences for that? This is awesome. Check this out. There we go. Come on, honey. Zindabad. Okay. Whiskey and bamboo juice. 
So, um, yeah, so they're saying that the asal is water. The asal is, is water. Um, and there are many evidences for that, and, we, and we've covered that so many, so many times, okay? Um, every single time that we have any mention of najas, always water is involved. And that's the position of the Hanbali Madhab. Abu Hanifa, though, he said that actually, no, the sun does uh, remove the uh, najas things. And the word, by the way, that's being used here is a very interesting word, mutanajis. Okay? Mutanajis. Mutanajis is the Arabic word for something which becomes filthy. Alright? Mutanajis. Um, and he says that it is, it is as long, as, long as the area becomes clean, then uh, as long as the, the najasa is gone, it's gone. Who cares what? Yani got rid of it. Okay? His evidence is for that. His evidence is for that is number one, that najasa is something very physical, alright? And once it goes, then all the rulings concerning it are dealt with. Yeah, and once it goes, then the rulings are... are uh, you don't need to keep going, like I mentioned before. And I like this second point. It's a bit of a difficult one. But he says that, you know the removal of filth, it is not men... It is not min bab al ma'mur bal min bab ijtinab al mahdhur fa idha hasala bi ayyi sabab kan thabata al hukm this is a really delicate and, and uh, 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 detailed point he says when you think about the, the, the whole chapter and the concept of removing impurities in general other than in the case of the dog we have not been commanded how to do it we've been commanded to stay away from it so however you stay away from it Okay, that's sufficient. We've not been specifically told you've got to clean it like this, clean it like that. When we have, we stick to it. Like in the dog, we don't mess about with that. That's what it says in the dog, we'll take it. But when it comes to the rest of Najasa, we've been told to stay away from it. Keep yourself clean. And if it happens, then just get yourself clean. And so therefore, any way that it happens, then that is, that is, uh, uh, that is good. Okay? And as for what the Hanbali say about water, we're not going to argue with that. Sheikh Uthameen says, he goes, of course we accept that the water is asal and if we use water, we've got water, brilliant. But if there is no water, we have other things which get rid of the dirt, then they're as good as well. The not mentioning of the sun and the wind and the X and the Y does not mean that it doesn't work. It just means that the water is best, but there's other things if they work, it works as well. So, what we're saying here now, we're talking about uh, the wind. Let's say there's some kind of, again, dry dung. It becomes so dry and light that the wind washes it away or woofs it away then the place is clean. When it comes to the sun, we're talking about that classic, you know, maybe a, a baby urinates into some duvet or a blanket, and you stick it out into the sun, and it evaporates it hardcore, burns it out, and then when you look at it, you can't smell it, you can't see it, can't yeah, you see the stain, can't whatever. If that's the case, I'm saying, then again, job done. Okay? Um, uh, da, 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 da. And he also mentions the rubbing as well. Okay, the rubbing as well. He says um, <coughs> that the madhab says that he can't. And as as for as for um, there's two positions when it comes to rubbing. Delk means massaging, rubbing. You know, all of the kind of you know you know. Has anyone actually ever washed their own clothes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know that's a dying breed. Yeah. Back in the day, yeah, that's what we were taught. Some people still have to do it. Alhamdulillah, not me. But 
if we if you get your clothes and then you put the sabun there and you rub it together, yes? So there's two positions with respect to this. The Hanbalis, they say that this does not purify the clothes. Yani, uh, just rubbing, I mean. Just rubbing it away or something like that. There has to be water involved. And the second position uh, is that we need to look at the uh, najasa, the mutanajis. There are two types. Um, the first is that which can be taken away. Okay? Um, he goes, he goes, um, sorry, sorry, uh, did I say there's two types of najasa or two types of things which become najis? Okay, I, I, I meant there are two types of things that which can become najis. Okay? The first is a solid surface and the second one is a porous one. Yes? So the example which is given is that of a blade that has dirt on it, like a blood or something like that. Okay? Now, blood can be wiped off. Does that make sense? You have a proper cloth and the blood becomes dry or whatever, or even wet. Because it's a solid metal surface, yeah? Wipe it off, job done. Doesn't need no water at all. Make sense? Whereas if you had wood or cloth, yes, that takes in the uh, uh, najis and you can rub or whatever you want, but it just goes further into the actual thing because it's porous. So the correct position is, is that if it is a uh, solid surface, then delk rubbing does indeed get rid of the najasa. That's the class position. But whereas if it is a porous uh, uh, substance or some kind of surface, then yes, uh, the humbly position holds. Rubbing will not get rid of the najasa. And that's common sense. And the next, next section is an interesting one. And I just want to make it clear that, um, I, uh, that there is a separate chapter in, uh, and, you know, and we'll have to deal with it when it comes on the issues of food and drink. Because I know that once I open this this chapter now, I'm going to get flooded with the whole gelatine question and renin question and whatever whatnot. Okay, because now the sheikh mentions chemical transformation with the pro the process of istihala, and this of course is a very uh, 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 relevant issue to all the people. You know, because obviously we eat lots of things that has gelatine in it, and um, and uh, it's a it's a very common question. But I just want to let you know that it is not easy. Okay, and for those who want something in the stop in the in the in the if those who want something to fill the gap until we get to it and we deal with it in detail, and when it comes, I will deal with it in ma major detail. I might even write a paper on it beforehand, but that's something uh, we'll see. I mean, I think with Ilm Source, uh, that might actually happen. But um, for something in the meantime, uh, Yasser Qadi, Sheikh Yasser, has a very good article which uh, introduces the concept and explains it to you, and I advise you all to read it. Okay? And you would, you would Google. Um, you would Google Yasser Qadi, it's on Muslim Matters website, and I think the phrase would be Doritos or Cheetos or Cheetos or whatever it's called. I don't know. Cheetos? It's something, it's some American Pakwas anyway, I don't know. But what is it? Doritos? Where's our online masses? Yeah, they are the kings of this kind of stuff. Everyone online, they can come up with answers, boom. I'm sure if you look online, someone will post the link, okay? Um, and he talks about uh, istihala there, and it's a good study, okay? I don't think it's sufficient, and he didn't even intend it to be sufficient, and there are many things he didn't mention, and there's much more detail, but to satisfy yani, your... your of mice and men. Yeah, of mice and men, that's what it's called, exactly, all right? So it's of mice and men, it's on the portal, the link, okay? All right, you'll see it there. And that's something which you can read in the meantime to understand what istihala is. For the class, though, let me just explain something. Hal, okay, or hala, means, you know, this, or hal means the state. Okay, istihala means to change that state or to seek a new state. 
So istihala means the transformation of something. This is a massive chapter in fiqh. And it's not meant to be taken here now. And what we're talking about is what happens when something is X and then turns into Y. And the classic example was always, you've got to remember that back in the day with no kind of processing or no kind of, you know, very clever ways of maintaining security, there's always uh, the issue of big vats of water, sugar, salt, and so on and so forth. And it's very difficult to cover them all the time. And so they'd be very common for, for something to get trapped in a vat of salt, much the kind of container of salt. And a rat or a mouse, I should say, is very common. And that's the most common question. What happens when a mouse, which is Najas, is then, uh, according to the Hanbalis, it falls into a vat of salt. After a couple of years, it will dissolve and it will basically become salt. The whole, you know, it will just, you know, it will just turn into whatever the uh, prevalent, you know, substance is. Okay, so that's how it was in old school. Obviously, in today's school, okay, today's time, gelatin is that kind of collagenous, kind of thick, kind of gooey material, which comes from the animal. And then via a process of boiling and additions and boiling and additions and blah, blah, it then turns into a whole something different, okay? And the idea for those people who allow gelatine, okay, is that it's something completely different. If you look at this product now, it has no connection with the previous one. It has chemically transformed. And so therefore, it is, it is now pure. Those people who said no, uh, uh, those people who said no, and I think it's difficult to say majority and not whatever, but certainly let's just stick to the simple things for now. In, in, the, in the Hanbali school, okay, they don't consider istihala, as you can see here. They said, wala istihala, and neither chemical trans... They give, an, they give an exception for alcohol, we'll talk about that in a second. But they said that even chemical transformation doesn't purify. And the evidence is simple. They said that, it, I, I don't care whether the, the mouse is full or the mouse is uh, in salt or powder form, it's still a mouse and it's still dirty. That's the basic argument. They're saying, I don't care. You, I, if you remember back in the day, uh, back in the day, since so long ago, year three, year two, we talked about boiling water and using uh, dung. Remember, you know, I, you remember I told you guys that, you know, I mean, obviously you're modern log, you are, but and it, us start from the pen. When we, we, when we do our cooking, we cook it, you know, using chapatis made of dung. Gobar. Get a little bit of hay, get a little bit of hay, and mix it up with the dung, and then put it, stick it onto the wall of our houses as a sign of honor and respect. <laughs> okay, okay, and then like a chapati on the wall, it then becomes dry. Then you, uh, uh, you know, uh, take it off. Then you put it in your tandoor, right? And then you basically light it, and it burns, and it's very, it's like coal. It maintains heat and whatever, whatnot. Okay. We talked about this, man. I hope LP students remember. Did we spend? Yeah, a lot has gone into this class, yeah. Custom, <laughs> man. I'm telling you, we done a lot of work in this class. Those notes, I'm telling you, man. Someone's going to be reading those notes in 50 years' time. They're going to laugh their heads off, yeah. <laughs> they're going to say Subhanallah. But in, the, in 50 years' time, you know, they won't even know what that is, by the way. <laughs> I'm telling you now. They won't. The only way they're going to know is because they read it in LP. They said, yeah, custom. There used to be people back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> they used to cook their food with feces. Anyway, so um, actually, all that listen come back to me. The whole use of nitrogen and this and that, urea and anyway. So 
And if you remember what the Hanbali Madhab said, that they, they gave a different ruling to whether it's allowed to use that water <coughs> for wudu, the water which is heated using rauth, yani using this uh, uh, dung, okay? What was the ruling based upon? Pot is covered Ahsent, well done. It's whether the pot is covered or not. And the idea was is that if the pot is covered, it's okay to use. But if the pot is not covered, it's not okay to use. Give me the idea. What falls into it? And what is the smoke? The complete chemical transformation of the dung. Alright? If you accept chemical transformation purifiers, then you would say that once you burn that dung then everything that comes off like smoke and X, Y, Z is a whole different substance. So it doesn't matter what happens to it, falls on my clothes, this, that, whatever. It doesn't matter because it's a new substance. But the Hanbalis, and actually it would be correct to say the majority of scholars, they actually said istihala doesn't. Because that smoke is from that thing there. I don't care what you say, that's najis. And that's why then the Hanbalis said you've got to cover that. So I want you to understand that they, don't, they do not accept istihala. For the sake of argument, I just want to say Ibn Taymiyyah, uh, refuted that and his very strong personal position is that istihala does purify so anything which is najis and goes through the process of um, uh, 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 istihala and this is the position of the Malikiyah and of the Hanafi school as well okay and, um, and, uh, that's the primary evidence but they, they obviously then extended it to other things as well yeah so, in, in summary, the, the, the Hanbalis and the Shafi'is and a, a, some, a number of other scholars, they do not consider istihala, chemical transformation, to purify a dirty product. Whereas the Hanafi school, the Maliki school, and Ibn Taymiyyah, they consider, when I say Ibn Taymiyyah because he, he is a madhab, yani, okay? Um, uh, they consider istihala, chemical transformation, to actually be a purificatory process. So, here's what Sheikh Taymiyyah says. He goes, but that's... Let's not lose our minds here. He goes, why are we talking about istihala? Okay, why uh, uh, the, the the phrase here is uh, except for alcohol when it turns into vinegar. vinegar. All right. So let's have a quick a quick point here now. Quick quick discussion about alcohol. Okay. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Um, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala as the majority. Of scholars, the four imams from them, and also the position of Sheikh Islam ibn Taymiyyah is that alcohol is najis because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al Ma'idah, we've covered this before, Ya Amanu, Wal 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 Azlam, Min Amal Shaytan. Okay, that all oh, you who believe indeed uh, alcohol and gambling and Ansab and Aslam, the divining arrows and all that, are rijsun min amal shaitan. Rijs mean filth from the actions of shaitan. Filth. And rijs and najis are, the, are two synonyms. Rijs means najis, najis means rijs, meaning physically impure. Okay? That's what the majority of scholars said. Okay? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that, and of course, um, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, if you want, and, and that, that, sorry, that was Surah Al-Ma'idah, that was Surah Al-Ma'idah verse uh, 90, okay? Write this down, just for, because this is good, okay? So that's uh, Surah Al-Ma'idah verse 90. Uh, that's uh, uh, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that uh, the khamar uh, is rijasun min amal shaitan 
And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says in Surah Al-An'am, which is Surah number 6, verse 145, Okay, I do not, uh, O Prophet, say, in all that has been revealed to me, I find nothing forbidden for people to eat. Um, yeah, put that off, put that off, please. Um, except for... Uh, where am I where now? Okay? Except for carrion or flowing or flowing blood or pig's meat. It is filthy. It is loathsome. And that's why that's why the scholar said that rijis here, rijis, was the word has been used, means najis, and therefore the use of rijis in another place must also mean najis too. Okay? Anyway, um, the correct position, and this is certainly my own position, okay? Um, and it's a minority position, is that alcohol is pure. Alcohol is absolutely pure. Alright? And that, I mean, so just so that you understand, that means to use alcoholic wipes, antiseptic wipes, to use mouthwash, for example, as long as you don't swallow it, etc., 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 to use EDTs or the parfum, all of these kind of things that contain alcohol content, it is possible to use because the actual alcohol is pure, all right? It is impermissible to ingest, but it is, and as a substance itself, it is clean and it is uh, uh, pure. And there are a number of evidences for this, okay? The first of them... Um, there's so many evidences, man. I don't even know yeah, any, where, 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 where to go. The first of them is they said that the word rigid here in the ayah is referring to a, a not a physical thing. Okay, it can't be physical because uh, idols themselves are not physical, and gambling is not a very is not a physical thing. And the divining arrows, if you were to touch it, it's not a uh, 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 physical thing. So why are we saying that the uh, alcohol is just because it's the physical item which is drunk, why are we saying that? It is spiritually disgusting. It's loathsome here. That's what rich here means. Disgusting. So if we were to translate the verse that gambling and alcohol and this and that is disgusting, horrible, shameful from the actions of shaitan, that makes a lot more sense. That makes a lot more sense. Secondly, we have the very famous hadith of Anas that the Prophet ﷺ, when, he, when it became very clear that alcohol was forbidden, then they smashed all their dish, their things, and they are uh, uh, the the alcohol flowed in the streets of Medina, in the streets of Medina, in the Turuqat. Okay, and I tell you something interesting. Okay, uh, some of the scholars said that you know the actual width of these streets. Okay. They were seven cubits wide, seven arms lengths. What's that? They reckon that an arm's length is about 0.65 meters, 60, 70 odd centimeters, okay? 55 to 65 to 68 centimeters. That's the kind of range you'll see the different scholars at different positions. That's what a cubit is. So, seven of those is what, three and a half meters? Three and a half meters is how big? Is this a, this is what this is about one and a half meters? Huh? 
Two That's two meters. Yeah. So just imagine just a little bit kind of wider than, than my wide arm. Basically two of my wide arms. It's, it's effectively two wide arms is how big the actual streets were. And in that the people have to go, the, the, the animals have to go, the this and the that and so on and so forth. And the, the, this is used by the people. The, the idea is it's not possible that the Prophet would allow people to pour alcohol, a dirty, nejus substance, in such a dayyakiani area, and it be to be on all the people and on their clothes and everything, whatever, and then and, and he not yani, warn against it. And he not <coughs> warn against it. The Prophet Another evidence is that once the alcohol was prohibited, he never commanded for the dishes that contained the alcohol to be washed. So those alcohol dishes, they were never commanded to be washed. All right, and there was many. There was containers and vats and so on. And this is something which is very, very clear. Say it again, sorry. No, very good, very good, very good. What the Nasser mentions is that, but it wasn't the Prophet who commanded the companions to break it. Anas said, as soon as we heard of the prohibition, we broke our things and we poured it. Sheikh <coughs> what did he say? He said, impossible that they do something that the that the that, the, that he would not allow or make comment on or criticize or correct. And he never did, which basically means that he is happy with the action. That Yani because he doesn't consider it to be impure. Okay? And another evidence is that the asal in things is that it is pure until it is it is absolutely categorically proven that it is impure. Okay, and there is no absolute evidence here. And as for the ayah, then I told you, uh, and I said I told you the, the response to the ayah that the 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 religious here is a spiritual kind of impurity, not a not a physical uh, one. Okay, not a not a physical one. Um, okay, yeah. So, so, uh, so what Sheikh Tamim is basically saying is that we're okay. That's fine. Let's let's go along with the humbly argument. But 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 P.S. There is no need to discuss istihala of alcohol becoming pure uh, uh, when it turns to vinegar because it's pure in the first place. It's like a footnote, and he just proved it. Okay, but we're still going to go ahead with the argument. We're going to assume that alcohol is actually impure, and that it's going to become pure. When it oxidizes into uh, vinegar, just want you to uh, remember alcohol is an OH group. Okay, the chemicals of it, where I remember from chemistry, OH, and then when it oxidizes, I think it becomes OOH, carbolic acid. Uh, someone's got to correct this online, or whatever. The point is, it goes for two stages. It becomes, I think, carbolic acid before it becomes acetic acid. Double OH, whatever. Anyway, the oxidation of alcohol. Once it yani, is left to ferment and it oxidizes, it then turns into the acid group vinegar, and vinegar itself is a pure substance. And we're going to look at that in detail, inshallah, in the next session. We'll take a break. Should we say five minutes, Mr. Shahzad? Or ten? Ten. ten. Okay, exactly ten minutes. Online people, exactly ten minutes, <coughs> and then we'll return. Zakmullah. <coughs>